Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi everyone. You have arrived at Characters on the Couch. I'm Jordana Horn and I am here with my dear friend, Dr. Adam Stern. Hi there. And we're going to be chatting all about analysis of fictional people. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Characters on the Couch. I'm Jordana Horn. I'm here with my good friend, Dr. Adam Stern. Good to be with you. Uh, it's really good to be with you because we're talking about a show today. Guys, I'm so upset. <laughs> and and I'm especially upset because the show is The Patient. For those of you who haven't watched it, I'm of two minds, which is appropriate for this show. I want you to watch it because it is phenomenal television. And I don't want you to watch it because I'm not kidding when I say that I have not had a full night of sleep since watching this show. I'm so upset by it. My husband is capable of watching on some shelf in his brain where he doesn't think about and perseverate over certain things the way I do. I'm I'm thinking about this show all the time. I'm thinking about this show in the shower. I'm thinking about this show while I'm driving carpool. It's taken over my life. It is so basically so intense. It, it's so intense, and I need to talk about it with you because for those of you who are not aware, this show stars Steve Carell as an incredible psychologist who I believe his specialty, right, is dealing with as as far as we've been led to believe mm-hmm. because we've both only seen the first two episodes at this point, that he specializes in dealing with compulsive behavior and how to address compulsive behavior. Okay. Turns out that one of his patients, who he knows as Gene, mm-hmm. is not in fact Gene, mm-hmm. but rather is a recidivist serial killer mm-hmm. who has taken him, has taken <laughs> Steve Carell, um, mm-hmm. In his basement, mm-hmm. chained to a bed with the hope of having, I guess, 24-7 accessibility to therapy without a copay. <laughs> so let, let's get in, let's let's get into the sort of the the mechanism in a little bit. But what I want to do first is I watch I just want to level with the audience here that Jordan and I are trying something with this episode of Characters on the Couch that we've never done before. We're going to talk about a show as it is unfolding. So it's a I believe it's episodes are dropping weekly. We've Correct. only seen the first two episodes when we record this on this date. 
what we're going to do is talk about the premise, what's happened in those couple of episodes, so sort of spoiler-ish, but really it's mostly premise. So you can listen to the rest of this episode even if you haven't seen it at all. And but I really, but I really need it to be chock full of insights from you, Doctor Stern, about this scenario, right? About the patient-doctor relationship, and about how you felt watching this show. Because if I was this upset, you know, and I'm just a pretend therapist on a podcast, I can't imagine how you would feel. It was really really intense to watch these early episodes of the show it was overwhelming i had i predicted and then i did have sort of disturbed sleep dreams mm -hmm. intense just really intense to watch the show i have to say a couple of things right off the bat so the things that the show does extraordinarily well in my opinion as a, a little you know, part of the corner of viewership that works in the field of mental health is that the show portrays the therapist and his interactions, the duality he has where he is a, in one role when he's in a session and then he has a life outside of that session and how compartmentalized those are. That yes. Just because he is a world-renowned therapist doesn't mean that he doesn't have his own problems in his life and and all of that and his his even technique in the little snippets of therapy that we see are incredibly spot on. He, he does things that, you know, the advisors on, on the show are hats off to them because he does things like sharing the dilemma with the patient where he'll say something along the lines of, you know, what I'm noticing is this, and I don't think we're going to make progress. And it's sort of frustrating. Is that how you feel? And mm. that kind of thing, which, you know, sets potentially sets off a patient, that kind of thing is, is a very, even though it's non-confrontational in psychiatry, it's known as confrontation. You know, the idea of taking, sharing the dilemma with the patient and saying, you know, this is what we've got. This is how I'm right. seeing Explicitly it. Explicitly addressing it. Yeah. Like, here's the elephant in the room. Yeah. Before we go further, I have to say the one problem with the show, besides its terrifying nightmare aspect to me as a other psychiatrist, than other than that, the one problem is that it will associate violence with mental health problems. That is always an issue. So, for example, whenever there is a terrible, awful mass shooting event, one party line is to say, you know, we need better mental health care in this in this country. And if you ask 99 psychiatrists out of 100, they're going to say, yeah, mental health care isn't really what you mean. What you mean is better safeguards to, you know, prevent psychopaths from carrying out these crimes. What you need is better gun control. What you need is better safeguards in place. Mental health care, only, only you know, not uh, people who act violently a subset of them have mental illness and a lot of them do not, right? And so... Okay, that's... Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because that's fascinating to me because I also, as someone who's not trained in this area, I tend to paint this with a very broad right. brush that's unfair. Well, what what's totally fair in my opinion is, and obvious, it's almost like it goes without saying, is when someone acts murderously, violently, terribly... Obviously, there's something wrong with that person, you know, that's not going right. It's not letting them. Well, back up. Okay. Let's say, God forbid, I see someone killing my child. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with me if I kill them. 
truthfully. You know what I mean? In other words, like, I don't think that you can make that, maybe you can make that statement in terms of, I guess, a randomly committed Right. Crime? I mean, your, your example is like a time to kill, right? In a time yeah, to kill, yeah. they make the argument that the morality of the situation warranted the violence and therefore not guilty of murder, right? Mm-hmm. Spoiler, for, spoiler for that movie that was out 20 years ago. We, well, we have to do a spoiler, right, for something. Yeah, so yeah, if not for the show, you know, yes. If you've been snoozing for 20 years and you missed the end of that, um, Adam just ruined it. You're totally you. right. Okay. Like in the military, yeah. we say killing is, is right. you know, we make all Justified. these exceptions. Right? Exactly. Where it becomes, where it steps over the line is the legality, which is a, a funny place to draw the line but where it comes into this conversation is when someone is acting in a psychopathic manner when they are murdering in in so-called cold blood these are areas where we as a society say there's something wrong with this person they may have something in psychiatry we might call it antisocial personality disorder they might truly fit the criteria for for being a psychopath What this show, circling back to what we're talking about, what Mm -hmm. this show does masterfully, in my opinion, you know, from from a clinical perspective, you alluded to it already, that the therapist played by Steve Carell, Dr. Strauss, he's an expert. He's sort of, uh, they, they tell us he's an expert by saying, oh, I read your book. And he says, I work with a lot of patients with compulsions. Mm -hmm. Now, compulsions and and more broadly, obsessive compulsive disorder is mm-hmm. a mental illness. You can yes. have, and it's a, it's a, what we used to call access one. So there used to be in the old days, meaning like when I first trained only like 12 years mm-hmm. ago, uh, sure. there were way back. Yeah, way back, there were axes in a diagnostic formulation. Access one was what we think of as an acute mental illness. Like this is a problem. This may respond to medications and therapy in this kind of way. OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, is one of those axis one disorders. Mm-hmm. Axis two is where we would include any sort of formulation related to a personality disorder. Now, what we learn in the show and what we know to be true in, in, in a broad swath of the population is that when someone has grown up in a severely traumatized environment, mm-hmm. the first thing that that the patient, Sam, tells uh, Dr. Strauss in the show is that his father used to beat him all the time. And, and he says, can right. you clarify what that means? And he says, all the time. If you can imagine, if let's take that at face value. If you can imagine that growing up, you grew up in that kind of traumatized environment and you're, you're, what we know from more modern research, neuroimaging studies, other kinds of modern psychological and neuroscientific research is that there are actual brain changes in an adult that has the criteria of, you know, uh, being a psychopath, that, that mm. they don't have as much gray matter, gray matter, excuse me, that's like the, the, the most sort of um, highly developed functional aspects of, of their brain in parts that are related to emotion processing, you know, mm-hmm. in relating to other people. These things are not bent. They are, they're broken for, for a very tiny subset of the population. And so can you treat these individuals? Well, the answer is yes, but, you know, so as he sort of alludes to, one of the things that I find, one of the things that I find really compelling about the show and the premise of the show is that the serial killer 
played by Domhnall Gleeson. Is mm-hmm. that how you say his name, Domhnall? Um, that's how we we'll say. That's it. how I'll say it. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, he's played brilliantly, and he's yes. absolutely right when he says, "If I tell you what's really going on, you have to report me." And right. he says, well, "No, no, no." Uh, Steve Carell's character says, "I don't have to." With everything you've said, we can work about. We can work with this in my office unless you tell me that you are going to do harm. And he says, he put he puts himself right in the corner by being honest. He says, I am going to do harm or whatever he says. I'm going mm-hmm. to hurt someone. And as soon as he said that, Steve Carell's character knows he's in a bind because they both know the truth, which is if the patient is honest, the doctor will be forced to basically send him to the emergency department where he will be in the system where he will be found you know, guilty of all of these murders, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much that I want to that I want to make sure that we cover, and one of them is the idea that here, so regardless of his status as psychopath or not, right, and his formalized diagnosis, I think we can agree that Gene is an extremely compelling and interesting character. And the part that hooked me from the beginning is, do people like Gene seek treatment on their own, of their own volition? In other words, this is not, he's not been conscripted to participate, you know, in a therapy program as a condition of release. He's not, there's none of that. He's sought out and he, and he says, you know, you're the third Therapist. I mean, I don't even want to think about what happened to the other two therapists, but mm. let's let's move on from that, right? You're the third therapist that I've been seeing. So he does seem to, unless this is like a uniquely perverse kink where he likes to go through a pantomime of wanting to solve his problems and then brutally murders right. the therapist, right. which I guess is a possibility, but I would be even more upset than I am now, if that is what this show's conclusion that, is. Thank you for asking that question because I it, it lets me finish my earlier thought that I think that the OCD component, the compulsiveness that relates mm-hmm. to his murderous in, intentions is something, the, the idea of obsessions and compulsions are that you have these thoughts that you can't escape. They're torturing you. And the only way to calm them is to act out the compulsion. That's the relationship mm. between obsessions and compulsions. Okay. And after you've done the compulsion, you might feel terrible about having done it, but the obsession is resolved or at least sort of taken temporarily. temporarily. Right. Now, that's why I think they're so, the, the idea is so masterful in the premise of the show because someone like that, does seek out help because they're suffering. They themselves are suffering Mm. with their disorder. There are psychopaths all around us that are may or may not be seeking out help. Most are not, Mm. you know. So true. But but tying... I won't mention any names. Yeah. (laughs) Tying those those two things together was really artfully done because I'm not... I have no basis to predict what's going to happen on this show. But if I were in Steve Carell's character's position, he can't really work with the access to psychopathy that we talked about, but he can work with the compulsion part. Uh, you know, there's a specific, we talk in this, in, in this podcast about like, well, well, what do you do on the, on the, what's, what would the therapy actually look like? I'm curious to see how it goes, 
but like there is a technique evoked response prevention that you can do that's really has great evidence for OCD where let's just take it the most benign example in the world and then and then I'll I'll uh, circle back for your next uh, you know I'm sure we've, you've got lots of topics that we should cover mm-hmm. but you know let's take the most benign example instead of having a murderous rage that you have to act out what if it's a hand washing compulsion? Okay. All right. In in the pandemic, a lot of folks were like, right. you know, doing doing this, and it became problematic for a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. What does that kind of therapy looks look like? It, it starts out by just getting their anxiety up and preventing them from acting on it. How do you do that? You ask the patient to imagine that someone's just coughed near them, and that they can't wash their hands. I mean, just imagine it, you know, and you say, how are you feeling? And you get, you, and oh, um, my anxiety is about a six. Okay. Imagine now that they're right next to you and they cough, you know? Oh, and now I'm, and then you, you raise the bar and, and slowly, mm. but surely you're able to desensitize this, this obsessionality yeah. until they right, don't have it, to act on the compulsion. Okay. But in this context mm-hmm. where you're the therapist, you're chained to a bed. Yeah. As he says okay. very clearly, I used to be your therapist, now I'm your prisoner. Right. But in the meantime, he has no... Right. He's engaged in this part of, I think, what makes the show such compelling uh, sleep-depriving mm-hmm. viewing is that he he is in part the therapist, right? Mm-hmm. Because he sort of realizes that the only way out yeah. is to right. come close to healing this person, right? Yeah. Because in his current state, he will never release him. It's either bru- be brutally murdered or try or to stay there or forever. Try, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, that's the, those are the options that Steve Carell has. Right. So those are not great options. When he, um, when he pulls up that chair, that was, that's a moment. It's got to be in, I don't even know, episode one or two, but like, mm-hmm. obviously he's, he's basically decided as much as he wants to resist, he has no choice but to be engaged in treatment with this person, even as he's got the chain locked to the, you know, the bed post or whatever it is. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I mean, so he's in... So to what extent is it even possible, though, to, you know, you talked at the beginning of our conversation about the different roles in a therapist's life, right? A therapist mm-hmm. is not only a therapist, a therapist is a person. Mm-hmm. But here he's being asked to not only be a therapist, not only be a prisoner, right? But he is bargaining for his own life, mm-hmm. in effect, mm-hmm. right? Because his refusal means certain death and all these other things. Like, is therapy, is it possible to have a good outcome 
under these circumstances. I mean, the deck is clearly stacked. The, we know that, right? The right? Deck is That's stacked the drama. But is it even remotely possible? I think that the answer is yes, it's remotely possible. And the reason I say that is that every therapist that's ever trained has at, at times felt trapped in a therapeutic relationship. And that's part of the work. That's part of the training. That's part of the experience. We're not chained, you know, in other words, the, the premise of the show is not, I'm not saying, I'm not equating what we've been through, but I'm saying that that is what they've taken, the showrunners have, or, who, you know, whoever's written this show has taken an idea that I bet most people in, in the world have no idea exists, which is that sometimes the therapist can feel trapped in a, in mm -hmm. a therapy. This mm -hmm. is something that if you asked a group of a hundred therapists, again, 95, 99 would probably be like, yeah, I, I, I know that feeling. And it doesn't come, you, the general audience might listen to me saying that and say, what is he talking about? It doesn't come because you're chained or that you're forced, but it might come in the form of, uh, let's say conditional suicidality. Mm. If you don't help me, Aye. then, right? Mm. That is a form of feeling like, all right, I have a responsibility to this person and I can't uh, abandon them, right? That's a different, it's obviously very different than what's happening here. But the dynamic almost is the same where you are feeling like as a, as a person, as a therapist, you're feeling mm. like I've got to figure something out here. Someone's life is on the line. And I need to figure out how can I help this person? Right. But, but the, I'm going to differentiate that mm -hmm. in those situations, you as the therapist are trapped by the resounding chords that have been sounded in your humanity. Whereas this situation as depicted in the patient, which by the way is on Hulu, mm. I don't mm -hmm. have the Hulu access that makes it commercial free. I know the commercials. So that was really the... But honestly, and so it's very arduous to watch a show with commercials. I do understand that now. And not only that, but but I do appreciate this because that's when I breathe into a paper bag during the show. So well, it's very I, I just find for me. for me anyway, it's like the commercial. It's like a, an in, emotionally the most intense scene I've ever seen in my life. And then the commercial comes on and it's very hey, bright. And have you tried? Right. It's, it's so <laughs> right. some of them are uh, really not on, not on target. Correct. Anyway, but what I was saying was that in this situation, he's being held hostage by an expression of inhumanity, right? Because you can't see a person as a person and chain them to a bed mm. and not allow them to leave. Mm -hmm. You can't, you know, and that's me as my amateur psychologist self. There has to be a fundamental distancing and separation because if you had that any amount of empathy mm -hmm. that would not that act would not be possible right and that's the almost the defining feature of psychopathy is a lack of empathy you're right you're, mm -hmm. you're you're hitting on it correctly i think that in order for this even this premise to you know the idea of a serial killer not just in a murderous rage or they went you know, sort of even a premeditated for a, a secondary gain kind of a thing. This is a serial killer where where he seems to, no matter what he wants, seems to engage in this compulsion, right? 
It's mm-hmm. and you can't do that when he frame. I don't know. Again, he, he, as a viewer, you don't quite know how much to believe, how much to take at face value what he says when he's out in the office. I take it for truth when he's locked up in the basement when the patient talks to Steve Carell's character because he takes his glasses off, he shows mm-hmm. his real self. He shows the evidence from his prior crimes, Ugh. you know, all of this really gut-wrenching stuff that also incriminates himself. So when he says something, you sort of take it at face value. Yes. So what he reveals about, you know, this most recent person he's been obsessing about that is in current danger, it's he's overcome by the slightest slight, you know, the, the, the yes. most minuscule slight that you can imagine he's overcome with rage that exists every he says it's all i think about every day for four months if you had empathy and any healthy sense of self you know you'd feel grumpy about that for a short period of time and move on with your life right right yeah so he's obviously missing that core component of interpersonal humanity and I'll say that he does mention as an aside that he was married. Yeah. I'm I'm sort of inclined to believe that he's not getting the kids every other weekend. I think that the person to whom he was married is no longer of this earth or has fled, right? I mean, so to me, that also is very frightening because to me, that means that he has made a step to join society and its norms yeah. before. And his job, I mean, he, his job is like a restaurant safety inspector. inspector. Yeah. Right. Such a banal job, like just such a regular guy job, you know? I don't mean to put down, I mean, it's just like uh, like a, a real no, in other words, member it's someone of society. Who, and not only that, but someone who has standards mm-hmm. and wants to make sure that other people live up to certain standards, yeah. yet he himself is exempt from... Right societal standards and expectations right right so so all of these things there's a core there where the character wants to be be the version of himself he puts out to the world but he's struggling to be that you know because he can't overcome this compulsion and he says you're the guy you wrote the book you're the best of the three jewish therapists that i interviewed that that line how do you think that line landed because for me i thought about it as a Jewish therapist and thought, and obviously there's a trope about, you know, there's a stereotype about like a lot of therapists are Jewish and it's a sort of, I don't know, it's, it's sort of intertwined with. I mean that Freud guy. Yeah. Freud was a kind of famous guy. Yeah. Anyway, but when he said that, it was also like, okay, are they, what are they telling us about this character and how he sees the world? You know? Uh, I mean, it, it turned my stomach. Well, as a, as an aside, this is totally irrelevant, but I am, uh, I mean, I, some of my kids go to an Orthodox Jewish schools. Like we are not, we are not Orthodox, but we, but being Jewish plays a mm-hmm. important role in my life. And I felt that there, that a lot of the Steve Carell, and I keep saying Steve yeah. Carell in part because I cannot really see him as a Jewish therapist, but whatever, that's that's my issue and I can talk about that in therapy. But I think what's interesting is that his whole issue about his son mm-hmm. marrying someone who is so strictly orthodox 
that they can no longer eat from the same silverware. I felt like there's a lot of that that's very inside baseball. And mm. that I, I I was like, I'm not sure to what extent people who were not in this world of religiosity would even yeah. understand what was happening. Like there's a scene where they bring a cake, the the future in-laws, yep. the and the bride-to-be and his son, and they bring a cake. And the reason that they bring a cake is because they can't eat anything that's been prepared in Steve Carell's house right. because he's not a sufficient level of kosher for them. In other words, to me, that is all an interesting backstory to show ways in which in his personal life, he has been shown to not measure up, mm -hmm. right? Like he's not, and so that he understands on a visceral level, a little different, right? But this rage that Sam also feels about being excluded from society because he's different. That's interesting. Right? There is that commonality. But to me, I'm like, this is such an esoteric point that I feel like well, it, it sort of takes away. Like, to, in other words, I appreciate it. But I, I think that if you're not in the know, you don't. Yeah, to, to your point, I didn't have that reaction. Growing up Reform Jewish, I saw what was going on. I, I could put two and two together about, like, the nuts and bolts of the scene but mm -hmm. I didn't associate it with his not belonging. I associate right. it with he has a full life full of stress just like the rest of us, you know, mm. and that. And I think that's true, too. But but I guess what I'm saying is that and it was something that hit a note with me mm. not to divulge too much personally. But, you know, I'm I'm a conservative Jew who sent her children to a reform nursery school mm -hmm. and was the the most the most observant, you know, Jewish family there, right? Mm -hmm. And then the scales flipped. Now my children are in an Orthodox mm -hmm. yeshiva, some of them, and where, you know, people I'm sure worry if my house is sufficiently kosher for them to come over to a play date. Mm -hmm. In other words, I, I see these yeah. stratifications and I've been very well acquainted with the tension between those stratifications and the way in which, you know, here there are lines being drawn in the sand and it's the same thing on a much different and scarier level right yeah. for for sam where he's like i see on the other side i see that there is another side and i see that my way of my way of living is incompatible mm -hmm. with the way that most people choose to live their lives. I don't know. I, I'm still thinking through that idea, mm -hmm. but I think that surely there are things that you and your personal experience, right, can bring to bear on your treatment of, of your patients and your analyses, right? I mean, because you're coming to the table, not only as someone who's been trained as a therapist, but you bring your experience as a person too, right? right? And that, that's true of everybody, right? And so yeah. the, 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 the good therapist is the one that can not not use that necessarily as like a, a super power that they're going to bring in, right. but rather know where their blind spots are, right? And know yes. where their biases are. That's, yes. I, that, and, and what we're getting in glimpses, you know, he, I believe it's pretty clear that Steve Carell's character is a widower yes. and he's having trouble reconnecting with his son, his adult son. Right. His adult son has been has become one of this world, yeah. this more religious world, which is a very insular world with its own rules right. and regulations. Right. And there's no real room right. for either Steve Carell or 
in in part, it seems, for the life that they right. had before, right? Because he tries to bring in the mother's guitar and yeah. say, well, to his son, Ezra, well, you play, you know, maybe you want it. And he's like, no, 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 I don't right. do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like cutting him off at the pass. Mm-hmm. Like, no. So I'm, I'm so interested. It's just that it's... It's so as a therapist, mm-hmm. Adam, mm-hmm. how can I make this less hard for me to watch? Yeah, I don't think you can. I think it's I think that's the purpose of the show is to make us feel this way. I mean, I think that's how they've designed it, you know, is to what what let's let's ask ourselves the question. Oh, here's a real therapist kind of answer. Okay, I'm let's ready. Ask ourselves the question why specifically, if you could name it in a sentence or two, why is it so terrifying for us to watch this show? Right. It's so terrifying because the idea of non-consensually being taken out of everything from your life to your agency and mm-hmm. your ability to act for yourself, and then with no promise that you'll ever get that back. Right, right. And and for me, there's an added layer and any other mental health worker that, that might be watching mm-hmm. the show, there's an added layer of like, gosh, what if... I were in that position and the pressure was on if I didn't somehow come up with the help that that my own life would be over. You right. Know? To say nothing of someone else's, right? I mean... Yeah, right. Exactly. It's it's those two things together. Like the usual mm-hmm. intensity of treating a patient like this, on top of it, your own life is, is being uh, not just threatened, but really you're at the precipice of losing your life. And for me, I will say that also psychologically... I've always been someone for whom anticipation is worse than reality. Mm-hmm. So for me, this limbo, will he or won't he, mm-hmm. is so much more yeah. terrifying. Well, that, that was going to be my next line of uh, questions was, okay, so now we know what, what terrifies us about the show. Let's imagine what the worst outcome, you know, the the, the most terrifying outcome of the show. When we re- hopefully will revisit this in a month or two and we'll talk about the show after it's run. Mm-hmm. Imagine the outcome that will will be the most, you know, gut wrenching. It's got to be an outcome where Steve Carell thinks he's about to help him and escape, but and and be released, but then, you know, it it doesn't happen, right? And he loses his life, and and that that's for me the most, you know, that dangling of freedom and then not, you know, and dangling of cure, so to speak, of a remission for this patient and then it Mm. not happening. That would be the most tragic, terrifying outcome for me. Mm -hmm. What's for me? Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's this guy like sawing off like one bit of him, like one bit at a time, like in a gradual, like horrible thing where like you're in this in-between state plus physical pain. Yeah. Plus fear. Yeah. Over and over again. Yeah. 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 I don't think I can watch that before bed personally. Yeah. You know, that that's interesting to me because the for me, my version, the part that would be the most terrifying, I would still watch the show because it would it would draw those emotions out of me. I love shows that make me feel sad and scared and mm. a little bit, you know, on edge. I love that in a show. But your show, the the worst version of that you described, the torturing show, uh, mm-hmm. physical pain depicted mm-hmm. That show, I don't think I would watch uh, because right. I mean I would watch it, but you know I wouldn't enjoy, I wouldn't feel fulfilled by it in any way, you know because right because it it just plays into this like ugh, like 
horrible yeah. snuff film yeah. Yeah. pornography uh, like, uh, right grossness. pornography of violence right Ugh. and that's i don't think that's the show we're gonna get i really I don't, don't think so either because it's that or at least so what's overriding all this for me is my optimism in my character right the same way that it, in other words anyone who's watching this show is not rooting for him to kill steve carell mm-hmm. i mean even if you hate steve yeah. carell as an actor, which really, how could you? But even if you do, you know, you're not rooting for him. You're not like, man, I really hope Steve Carell gets it in the end. We're all watching because we are hoping that, number one, that we're all hoping for the redemption. We're all hoping that people can be healed and fixed, right? Even though, like, really, what is healing and fixing this guy? I mean, you know, you're still going to, like, serve time for, you know, holding Mm -hmm. this guy prisoner, whatever, okay? But, like, we believe in redemption. We believe in hope. And we're, you know, we're, we're not. I, I think that the intellectual density and the care with which each character is being finessed yeah. shows that it's not in it just to torture him or no, us. I totally agree. Totally agree. And then, you know what? what's at odds with that redemption, that motivation to watch for the redemption arc? is the comeuppance arc, you know, that you, we also, as viewers, we were like that bad guy. We want him to get what's coming to him. Right. We want to see him uh, go to jail or whatever it might be. That's so interesting because right now I just want him out of the basement. I know. Uh, I'm like, let's worry about that other stuff. Well, later. that's the dilemma of the therapist, not just in the show, but in general, in real life, you know, you can do therapy with all kinds of patients, right? Whoever comes to, to your door, especially when you're in training, when you're working, some forensic psychiatrists work in prisons, right? Uh, work in, in psychiatric hospitals for criminally, you know, people who have who've engaged in criminal behavior, all kinds of patients, right? Patients that in another world you'd be having a, a lunch with and, and in another world you'd, you'd cross the street because you were afraid, you know, mm-hmm. all kinds of patients. So, you know, I don't know. I, I think that this... I, I can't. I just can't wait to see where it goes. I hope that the nightmare stops. <laughs> you know? I really, I can't. I can't handle it. My stomach is not strong enough, but I will. It's I'll do it's it. one of the most compelling shows that I've seen in a while. Like a brand yes. new show that is just so. You know, I only intended to watch the first episode, and then I was like, "Well, like, I, there was there were two posted. I was like, I have to." Like I, I, I know, I, me too. I wish, and then the ending of the second the, yeah. episode, I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, you're killing me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not really, so, thankfully. So everybody, watch this show. Circle, ba- circle back to us in... Yeah, uh, tell us what you think also. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, we got to have a discussion. Like, yeah. let's open it up in our... Uh, when we post this episode, let's make sure that we... I, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear your fears. And uh, let's start talking because if we're not talking about this one, man, yeah. this is ripe for us. Yeah. And, you know, if you think I've got it wrong, if you think this the diagnostic formulation's all off, let us know that too. You know, that's that's kind of interesting. Like, how do you see these characters? Not not Dr. Strauss so much, but the, the, the patient character. You know, like, what's going on? How is he, you know, what are you thinking as you're watching it? This will be a fun experiment. This is the first time we're doing this. And we hope at the end of it, we're glad we watched. And I think we Yes, will please. Thanks so much for this conversation. This was, as always. this was really engaging, Jordana. I will look forward to seeing the rest of the show and talking to you soon. Same. Bye. Bye.
Please be advised that Characters on the Couch is a show focused only on fictional people, and none of the content should be considered medical or professional advice in any way. If you or someone you know is struggling with your mental health, please seek out professional consultation. Thank you. Thanks so much. Hope to see you guys next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.